Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything Ema podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and I got to say, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I know today is a beautiful Wednesday where I'm at here in Kansas City. I hope the same for you. And before we get into things here today to talk about some football, let me remind you, as football season gets going, I mean, we're really going to start hitting the content, and it's going to be great. Here on the podcast, we'll have some football to talk about each and every week, and it'll be an incredible time. So just as a quick reminder, I want to let you know to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you want to stick around. You will also get a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep your beers cold, your drinks cold, or whatever you're into. It'll keep it cold all summer long, or what's left of it, that is. As we get closer to football season, we are officially one day away from September, two days away from football for K-State. Things are looking great right now. K-State taking on SEMO, Southeastern Missouri. I'm pretty much going to refer to them as SEMO for the episode, so just to get that out of the way now. It's going to be, like, I mean, when I say it's going to be a good matchup, I don't mean to say that it's going to be a, it's not going to be good visually, like, you're not going to see a close double overtime game or something crazy like that. That's not at least what I anticipate. K-State should handle business fairly easy in this one, but I do want to talk about a little bit of a preview of a prediction of what I'm looking forward to seeing in week one when these two teams clash. Now, it's no secret, FCS teams week one, you get out there and you usually get paid to be destroyed. That's just kind of how this thing works. It's not necessarily always the case. You know, there's some of those upsets where you get paid a million dollars to come in and you beat up on the team that's a Division One team looking for a championship. It happens occasionally, just not very often. You know, K-State's had its fair share of losses in the non-conference schedule in the past. And while SEMO's a great team, and don't get me wrong, they are the Ohio Valley recent champions. Like, they're league champions in their division. Same thing with K-State. This is a matchup between division champs. In K-State, obviously winning the Big 12. SEMO, obviously winning the Ohio Valley Conference it's not going to be a gimme in terms of FCS scheduling. Like, you could pick much worse teams to play week one of the non-con. That's the, that's the case. But either way, K-State's got to handle business. SEMO's returning multiple starters on both offense and defense. And I think there's a couple of matchups in the week one non-con for other Big 12 teams that feature better quarterback play. SEMO's got a dynamic offensive line and a really solid running back. He's been special. I'm pretty sure he leads the team in both rushing touchdowns and yards in program history. And I'll confirm that later on in the episode, but K-State really does have, I mean, a tough task, I would say that. You know, there's not really a sports betting line, so you can't really get a feel for what what they think of SEMO versus other teams, but it's not going to be a line where there's 37 points. Like, UCF's taking on Kent State tonight. I think they're favored by 36.5. That feels like a lot of points. Not that I'm suggesting you to bet that, but that feels like a lot of points. K-State in this game, I think that what I've heard would be about a three-touchdown spread, 21 to 25 points, is probably where they'd set the line at, I would imagine, just based off the fact that Chris Kleiman-led teams aren't necessarily going to air out the football constantly. I mean, this past season was a complete dynamic change for that. You know, you saw Will Howard being an air-it-out type quarterback, a confident down-the-field passer. And the reason I feel good about this line, this metaphorical line that I'm dealing with, I think K-State's going to win this game by 28 points, you know, 27, 28 points. And I think that the reason it wouldn't be a 37, 38-point line, K-State's not known to just every single time they touch the ball to air it out. I mean, you've got two stud running backs. You want to get a good feel for both of them in Trayshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. My personal pick is that both of those running backs will find the end zone in this game. I know that's kind of crazy to think about both getting into the end zone, but not really in this case. I mean, I feel like both are going to get, what, 10, 15 carries? especially if this game gets out of hand, both get 10-15 carries semi-easily. I mean, SEMO's got a solid safety and a couple of good linebackers on their team, but their defensive line isn't really something to write home about. K-State is the best offensive line in the Big 12. 
It returned everybody and their brother. The only player that's going to miss this game is Christian Duffy. I'm pretty sure that the depth chart mentioned something about Cooper Beebe stepping out and taking his position and then moving Taylor Portier and a couple of guys around at the guard positions just to fill vacancy and spots. But I think this K-State offensive line should be dominant. I mean, that's that's what I'm seeing here. I really don't like Will Howard playing for the full four quarters. I think it's just an unnecessary risk because my personal opinion is that this game's going to be over 10-minute mark of halftime after halftime. The 10-minute mark of the third quarter. I mean, I could see K-State scoring 21 points in the first half. And then maybe, you know, a quick score later on in the third quarter. But, like, Will Howard isn't being asked to prove anything. We know he's the guy. He comes in as the guy for the first time in his K-State career. Like, we know for a fact this is our starting quarterback. Obviously, when Skyler went down, you had that on a game-to-game basis with Will Howard. But as a solid junior player, a guy with NFL aspirations... Howard's got the ability, excuse me, senior, not not a junior, but I apologize on that just because eligibility is such a tough thing to keep up with, especially through COVID times. Three days ago, K-State released their official depth chart. I'm going to walk you through what I see on this list, and I know some of the positions are kind of an or position where there's that little, you know, stigma saying, all right, it could be these guys. We don't know which guy it is, to be honest, right now. It's just a note that it could be either of these guys, so I'll just kind of walk you through some players that I'm looking forward to seeing, and the immediate takeaway so whenever a player is a transfer player or they weren't there with the program last year, usually if they're, you know, if they're incoming freshmen, that's different. But if they're a transfer player, they show up in a yellow text rather than blue. Immediately with these teams, you see, you know, seven, eight, nine guys. Sometimes on, on one side of the ball alone, you see six or seven guys. K-State doesn't have a lot of that in their starting lineup. On offense, there's only two different yellow names. That's Keegan Johnson, the Iowa wide receiver transfer, and then Treshawn Ward from Florida State. Look at this lineup like it looks like this. So the immediate thing, obviously you got Will Howard at quarterback. That's not going to change. Jake Rubley listed as two, but it is an or situation with Avery Johnson. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Ryan Wallace from Go Powercat who came up with this idea earlier. I was really on board with the way he talked about this. There's conversations surrounding will it be Avery Johnson as QB2? Will it be Jake Rubley as QB2? And he mentioned the first player we're going to see in this game once Will Howard sits down is Jake Rubley. I agree with that. I think that's the safe bet. If for some reason, God willing, you know, I don't I don't ever want to wish this on anybody. If for some reason Will Howard gets hurt and it's like a long-term injury, it's not just a two-week thing, I think that's where we'd see Avery Johnson for the year. Because Avery's upside is big enough that you got to play him right now. I mean, that's that's kind of the mentality. Will Howard is a better quarterback. He's ready to go. It's Will's time. But if for some reason Will isn't able to go for the rest of the season, in some case, you got to go Avery Johnson. And I want to give a shout-out to Ryan because I agree with that wholeheartedly. But on this roster, Will Howard starting quarterback. Running back, you've got an or situation with Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. Like I said, I don't know how often all these players are going to play. You know, you could see a one-half situation for both DJ and Treshawn. But I think it's going to be in every other carry or something along those lines. You know, first down and second down is DJ Giddens. Third down is Treshawn Ward. Or just whoever's ready to go. I, I don't really have much of a set schedule for that of what I expect. I do think Coach Klein is going to play a ton of true freshmen just to get a, just to get a look of like, Okay, this dude can play if we needed him to. If there's an injury here, slide this dude in the starting lineup. He's ready to go physically, mentally. He's prepared for the moment. So I don't know how many of these people we'll see late into the third and fourth quarter, but I do want to mention moving forward, we've got Ben Sinnott listed as a fullback for some reason. And I know he's technically a fullback on the roster, and that's kind of the running joke. Ben Sinnott I saw the other day on Mel Kuyper's big board heading into the 2024 NFL draft. He ranked tight ends. He had Brock Bowers from Georgia, Jatavian Sanders from Texas, and the third-ranked tight end in all of college football was Mr. Ben Sennett. I was over the moon when I saw that. I was thrilled because I know Ben Sennett has a place. He can outwork Jatavian Sanders this year and become the second-best tight end in football. 
I don't think he's going to pass Brock Bowers, so to speak, but Ben Sennett is a top three NFL round draft pick in my mind. That's kind of what I'm seeing there. The offensive line is the offensive line. That's what you're seeing. Uh, They've got Carver Willis slotted right now in the place of Christian Duffy. I think Duffy will get back in a couple of weeks. He's the only main long-term injury, it sounds like, and long-term is subjective, I suppose. So the offensive line is the same. You've got KT Levison at left tackle, Cooper Beebe at left guard, Hayden Gillum at center, Hadley Panzer at right guard, and then Carver Willis at right tackle. You've got Taylor Portier right behind Hadley Panzer on the right guard spot. I think Portier is actually going to get into this lineup and really take a starting spot somewhere along the lines. I'm not sure where or what position that'd be. He's a multifaceted guy. You know, he's been injured the last two years. He's ready to go. I think that guy's going to be a beast. Then you take a look at the receivers. Starting off, your number one receiver is Keegan Johnson. Everybody and their brother is excited to watch Mr. Keegan Johnson go to work. I mean, K-State hasn't had a reliable deep threat. I mean, you can make the case for Malik Knowles or make the case for a Byron Pringle-type player, but they haven't had a guy of his stature early enough in his career to be labeled as the guy since Tyler Lockett. I mean, this is the next wave of that type of player. Keegan Johnson could absolutely explode this year. Wide receiver two, you've got R.J. Garcia slash Phillip Brooks. Phillip Brooks is going to find himself more in the slot. R.J. Garcia, from everything I've read, everything I've heard, he's had a great camp. I mean, everybody predicts R.J.'s going to have a great season. You know, he showed up big time in the Big 12 Championship with that touchdown catch. I think R.J.'s really working himself into a way, kind of just into the starting lineup consistently. He's going to have to fill some of that Cade Warner role. I mean, that's really the position that was left behind. I mean, you saw Malik Knowles as the wide receiver one. Cade Warner was a stud for the Wildcats. I mean, that's a lot of production to replace between two receivers there. Phillip Brooks back for another year. I think it's his sixth year at this point or so. Might be his fifth year. But Phillip Brooks returns. Redshirt senior. He'll be in the slot. He'll be doing his thing. And then last position on the offense, you've got the tight end position, which obviously I think Ben Sennett's listed more as a tight end, even though he is a fullback. Will Swanson's listed as a starter. I don't really have any type of, you know, I don't feel the type of way about that position just because I know that Ben Sennett's going to be such a stud. But moving on the defensive side of the ball. And continuing with how the offense views it, with less yellow typing, less yellow writing text of guys who transferred in. The only three people that transferred in that are in the starting lineup here, we've got Javon Banks, who's sitting in place of the injured Uso Sayamalo. Uso's another guy where I cannot wait to get him on the field. He's going to be an absolute stud. He's a mountain of a man. Guy's 300-something pounds. He's gigantic. He's athletic. Chris Kleiman talked about him at Media Days and said he's the most improved player. He's got first-team All-Big 12 talent. Uso's a guy to watch. Uso's most likely going to be back. You know, there's a chance he plays, I heard. I don't think that he's going to be in for much. You know, you're not going to give him more than 10 or 15 snaps if he has been banged up through camp. But nonetheless, you've got Javon Banks starting there at the defensive tackle position. The other two transfers on the team, you've got Marquis Siegel in the secondary playing the free safety position. I believe he's from North Dakota State, so a little bit of Chris Kleiman ties in that sense. Then you've also got Will the Blanket Lee. Will Lee transferring from Iowa Western last season. Honestly, I feel like Will Lee's been one of those players that's just been not necessarily overlooked by any means, but he's quickly rose into the ranks of a guy that it's like, all right, this is our number one guy. This is the dude to go. Like, this is going to be the one that matches up against your best receiver. Will Lee's going to have a lot on his shoulders this season. He's a stud, man. I'm, I'm not going to mess around. You know, he's six foot three. it looks like, 185 pounds, kind of has some of the Julius Brent size to him. I think Will Lee could quickly develop into K-State's top guy in that next wave, like, there's been a crazy run of secondary players. I mean, of guys in the secondary that have gone to the NFL from K-State. I know it dates back further than this, but I'm just going to roll with this. You know, DJ Reed really early on kind of started that whole, at least just back to back to back to back. The top corner from K-State is an NFL player. That kind of a run, semi-recently. So DJ Reed goes to the league. 
I can't remember. I think he was drafted to San Francisco, and then now he's with uh, the Jets. He's become quickly one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. So you got DJ Reed that goes, AJ Parker goes, Russ Yeast goes, Duke Shelley goes. I mean, there's a stud, a group of guys that are just studs. Now you've got Julius Brents drafted in the second round with the Colts. Echo Boido on the opposite side. He goes and he's on the Chiefs practice squad after not earning an invite to rookie minicamp. That guy's a stud. I mean, the guy has had a crazy year. Will Lee feels like the next guy. So you've got three dudes that haven't played for K-State on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody else relatively similar, just stepping into a more defined role. Talking about the pass rush, and that's one where I'm really excited to see what happens. Felix has been an absolute monster. Everybody in the Big 12 knows how good Felix was the last couple of years. One of the best pass rushers in the country. I mean, he's getting triple teamed by Alabama, if that tells you anything. Now you've got Khalid Duke, Khalid Duke stepping back in. I've always said Khalid Duke. I've also heard Khalid Duke, so I apologize if I'm butchering that name. But Khalid Duke stepping in. Redshirt senior. Guy's been around the program for a while. He's someone that's generated NFL draft buzz as a pass rusher. In the past couple seasons, he's been playing out of position more in the linebacker drop into coverage role, which just doesn't feel like the right spot for him. Now with Felix Gunn, he's getting the opportunity to go back to a pass rusher. Go go back and get after the quarterback. I think Khalid Duke should have a stud season. Brendan Mott, who wildly had an incredible season. Not wildly because I didn't expect it, but he quietly had an unbelievable season. Guy had more sacks than Will McDonald, who was drafted with the 15th overall pick from Iowa State. That's crazy. Brendan Mott goes out there. He's the returning player with the most sacks in the Big 12 Conference. Believe it or not. That's crazy. I mean, he was up there with Felix in terms, in terms of sex, and Brendan Mott nearly, you know, half the looks that Felix got. Mixed in with, you've got a guy like Nate Matlack as well, who if he can stay healthy, that'll be a great thing for him. So pass rush is going to be fine. I think Brendan Mott could rise to that, you know, the Wyatt Hubert rank where it's like, all right, we got to circle this guy at all times. And then opposite of that, you got Khalid Duke. That's a tough pass rush. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to be better than last year, but they could be. I mean, they definitely could be. They have the ability. Then your linebackers, no one's going to dispute this is the best spot on K-State's secondary, or excuse me, in K-State's defense. This is the best spot in the entire roster, I would say. I mean, you can make the case for quarterback with the room we have, but Austin Moore, the machine, unbelievable player. He's going to be another one that's a close to 100 tackle guy. Daniel Green, back for his seventh year. That's crazy. You know, I've thought he's going to be gone for so many different times. Comes back again. He was banged up last season, so he didn't get the full extent of his ability. This year, we're going to get it. He seems fully healthy. He's ready to go. Spoke to him at media days. He's confident. He's cool. He's ready to go. I'm pretty excited to watch Daniel Green play. Then you've got Desmond Purnell, who started last year as a freshman, redshirt freshman. Got some good minutes. I mean, he was a stud in the linebacker core. I think it's safe to say that our linebacker core could be the top in the Big 12. I mean, it's us or Texas. You know, there's a couple of teams that could slide into there. But K-State's got the right dudes. Then you look at the secondary, which a lot of people are saying this is the question mark on the side of the defense. Let's talk about the safeties first. You know, you can't look any further than Kobe Savage. Kobe Savage is that dude. He's an NFL player waiting to happen. I think he's going to be a monster again. He's my pick for defensive player of the year in the Big 12, which I know a lot of people disagreed with, but I think Kobe has an absolutely that ability. He's got the ability to have six, seven interceptions, you know, to barely, maybe not lead the team in tackles, but to, you know, get within 10 or 12 tackles of leading the team, just because I know Austin Moore and Daniel Green will rack them up sideline to sideline. Then you've got VJ Payne, who I am unbelievably excited to watch. I've been over the moon excited about VJ Payne ever since I saw that picture that our strength and conditioning coach shared of the guy's transformation. You know, he went from a kind of a scrawnier kid, not even scrawny, I mean, he's still an athletic kid. You know, he's a Division I football player. Now he's walking around with eight pa- with an eight-pack that looks like Chris Hemsworth. I mean, this dude looks like a Greek god. I am so excited to see VJ Payne get out there. 
And he's a big body. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, we've got a lot of smaller guys in the secondary. But having VJ Payne out there, he's switching positions up a little bit. He's been at the safety position, played free safety last season. That's where Marquise Siegel is going to take over. VJ Payne stepping into a jack safety option, which I'm really excited to watch to see how Chris Kleiman handles that. And I know that it won't be something drastically night and day different than what we've seen in the past. But I feel like it's going to drop him more into not even a linebacker position, but kind of that second extension of, okay, hey, my responsibility is sideline to sideline. I've got to be here. Whatever happens, VJ Payne's going to see the field a lot. And then the corners. I mean, there's a lot of questions about the corners. You've seen guys like Marquise Siegel be mentioned, kind of stepping into that role of the safety. He's played corner in his past. Position change for him as well. There's position changes a lot across the spot. So you've got Jacob Parrish and Will Lee as your two starters. Both are sophomores. I mean, Jacob Parrish started as a true freshman against Alabama and had some good breakups. I mean, the kid's quick. He's a little undersized. I believe he's 5'10 or so. I think Jacob Parrish could have a really good season this year, and he's on pace for that. Then you've got Keenan Garber, who I know Coach Kleiman loves. I mean, he just talks about Keenan a lot. He's been mentioned a ton. The player behind Will Lee, you've got Justice James, who I really haven't heard much of. I know he's another transfer player. But there's a couple of people on this lo- on this roster that could step into big roles. And then you've got Tyler Neelom. He's not starting, but he's a transfer from SEMO himself. That alone is going to be a big enough reason as to why K-State will have handled the task. I mean, I don't expect SEMO to really compete. But I think it'll be a good game for K-State. It'll be great to have football back. That's what I'm really excited for. And I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. I know it was kind of just a talk about the roster, talk about the depth chart, explain some things I want to see. Next week, my friends, we will have intro, outro. We'll be able to talk about the previous game, turn that into the next week's preview, and it will be a great start. It is all just one episode away. So if you if you listen to this episode, I really appreciate you. We've got some incredible things ahead of us. Don't worry, my friends. It's going to be better every single day. Thank you so much for listening to the Everything Emo podcast, supporting the show, supporting Heartland College Sports. We couldn't do it without you. I appreciate you. Go Cats, and I will talk to you soon.